Your attention, please. Welcome in to Yap Chicago, a sports and lifestyle show. And we appreciate you hitting play on whatever it is that you listen to podcasts. You can follow the show on Twitter at YapChicago underscore. And you can also follow it on Instagram at YapChicago. You can also call us and leave us a message at 312-985-6006. As always, this episode is brought to you by Tribe Coffee Co. They have whatever you want, whatever you're craving from the early mornings to the afternoon pick-me-ups. And even for that late night, cafecito con pan dulce, you know what I'm saying? Light roast, dark roast, espresso, decaf. Don't miss out on the smooth bowl flavors of Tribe Coffee. To support this local coffee company and this show, visit tribecoffeeco.com and enter their promo code YAPSHY at checkout for 10% off of your order. As always, I am your host, Edgar Perez, and sitting next to me is, well, no one. We're back, kind of, sort of. Full transparency is what happened. It is Thursday night, June 10th. It was Lee's, it was Cap. We did a whole show. And when I went to export the file, it was corrupt for some reason. It sounded like Daft Punk took over the recording and entered their own remix version of it. I tried exporting it different ways. WAV file, MP3 file, different bit rates. None of it worked. So that episode is lost in the, uh, in the world. Only the four walls of this room heard it. Which is unfortunate because it was a really good show. You know, we got into everything that we've missed. Obviously, we've been off for, what, two, three weeks? So, it was our first show back, and unfortunately, we lost it. But we got into everything. The Cubs giving the finger to the front office and playing better than anyone expected. Do they buy or sell at the deadline? We went over that. Nick Madrigal going on the IL. Another injury for the White Sox, but somehow they keep pulling it through. Jay Cutler's meat. Justin Fields shining in practice. We went through it all. But like I said, I tried fixing the audio. Nothing's working. So technically we're back. But like I said, we're not all the way back. But luckily, before we recorded the rest of the podcast, we were able to record our interview with Dave Ross. You've heard him here before. He's our go-to UFC guy. He came on to preview UFC 263 happening this Saturday, headlined by Adesanya Vittori 2. That card is loaded with great fights. So us here at Yap Chicago, we're going to bring you that interview with Dave Ross. We'll wrap up the show at the end, and hopefully next week, my board, my memory card won't decide to uh, crap out on me and uh, give me a Daft Punk remix version of our recording. So I'm going to format the card, erase everything, reset everything, and hopefully we're good to go. So here's our interview with Dave Ross. UFC 263 is this Saturday, headlined by Adesanya Vittori 2. For the middleweight strap. And when we talk UFC, you know we have to hit up our guy Dave Ross of Stadium, who does a great job previewing each pay-per-view with Ricardo Lamas and Phil Brooks. Dave, thanks for joining us, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I understand that the pod is blowing up so much that you've added another voice to the pod, right? It's not just you and Lee's. No, yeah. It's getting too big. You had to add on. We couldn't handle the load, Dave. You know, we had a introduced cap to the audience earlier in past episodes and we decided to bring him on and now he's 
gets the privilege to sit here and hear the and uh, hating ass actor too. Yeah, no, he's gone. Wait. He's gone. <laughs> no, we have, he was a favorite. We yeah. have to go from a medium pizza to large pizza now. <laughs> <laughs> and from a, a six pack of beer to a twenty four, but you know, whatever gets the job done. That's <laughs> exactly. What <laughs> uh, Dave, we have a, an exciting card lined up here for this Saturday. Let's start with the hometown kid, Bilal Muhammad, taking on Damian Maya. How do you see it? Okay. I love remember the name because I, I think it's a fantastic nickname. And I think it's a good way to get your shine out there. I love that he reps Chicago. Uh, but as I said to uh, CM Punk and to Ricardo, you know, the best fighter that I've seen come out of Chicago is probably Nico Toscani. He was a cop with an attitude, of course, Steven Seagal. In, uh, in Above the Law. And that's a fictitious character. You, you just don't have a whole lot of great Chicago fighters to kind of talk about. I know Andre Orlovsky is a you know, former heavyweight champion. He's not really you know, from Chicago. He lived in Chicago. I know he's still – I don't know if he still calls Chicago home. But you know, we really haven't had that great Chicago champion. Uh, he's got a chance. He's got a real chance. The problem in this fight for him – He's coming off the eye poke against Leon Edwards mm-hmm. uh, in his last outing. And I really like the fact that he stepped up on short notice to take that fight. That showed me a lot about Bilal. Damian Maya was so close to being uh, the welterweight champion when he fought T. Wood back in the day. And I'll never forget that fight because it was a fight where he was so close to getting that takedown on T. Wood that T. Wood had to hold on to the fence. And they actually, you know, they kept the ref just kept hitting his hand away but never deducted points. But if Damian Maia had secured that takedown, you knew it was over. This is one of the best Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners we're ever going to see in mixed martial arts. I know he's up there in age, kind of like my age. So you got to, if you're Bilal, keep your distance and throw hands. And I thought a really interesting part that Ricardo Lama said, talk about another great Chicago fighter in Ricardo, and another great wrestler like Bilal Muhammad is. They said, watch for Bilal to use his wrestling as a way to keep the fight standing so that if Damien, Damien Maia does not want to stand a trade with just about anybody. He, he, that's his only liability, right? His hands. He's gotten better as time's going on, but he's just never going to be a great natural, uh, you know, puncher. He's going to try to get the fight down to the mat. And, and, and as good a wrestler as Bilal Muhammad is, that's not where he wants to be. Nobody wants to be there with Damien Maia. So he's actually going to use his wrestling defense that you learn in wrestling to keep the fight standing. If he can do that in a three-round fight, I think he should be able to win this fight relatively easily on the cards. I really think if he gets into grappling exchanges, gents, that's where it can go south. Because I really don't know that I've seen a better boa constrictor in human form than I've seen Damian Maya. He's just that good on the ground. Yeah, that's why his nickname is the human backpack. He just climbs on the back of people <laughs> and just stays onto them. Absolutely, Lise. And, I mean, again... I, you know, like the John Jones mentality of whatever you do, then I'll fight you at your best and beat you there. Not everybody's John Jones. So I just, I don't think there's any need for Bilal to engage down there. Now, the, the instinct sometimes is if he hurts him with the hands is almost to secure a double leg takedown. And again, you might get initial position on that, but watch out. Because if there are any reversals, any scrambles that happen, and you've got that close contact. Damian Maya wants to make this fight a close fight, a fight that's fought in the clinches, a fight that's fought on the cage, so that there's a way that he can get a sweep, a trip, something, get this thing down to the mat, and then watch out. Because if he gets that body lock, you just don't get out of it. So 
being older like Damian is, I would expect Bilal to be able to control the tempo, try to wear him out a little bit with, with his movement in that first round, have Damian chasing him. If he can get him to do that and dictate the pace, I really don't see it being a problem. The only problem, and it's a big one, is if the fight goes down to the mat. Dope. All right, and uh, for the next fight, Nate Diaz versus Leon Edwards. I mean, Nate Diaz, oh coming, uh, he has a 19-month-off layoff. Like, what do you expect from Nate Diaz? <laughs> uh, the unexpected. I mean, I it's mean, going It's going to go five rounds, and, you know, we all know yeah. he gets gas, like, yeah, at least after the second round. <laughs> like, right. what, I mean, that, that's, what's going to happen? That's a, beauty of a, that's a beauty of a Nate Diaz fight, right? Because here's the thing that people always forget about. Nate is one of the best. We talk about, you know, we talk about Damian Maya as Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Why about Nate Diaz? I mean, look at the submission wins that he's racked up in his career. And I know he's been a floater between 155 and 170. So he's never really kind of found, found the right weight. And I know Leon Edwards is that guy at 170. But Leon is more of a striker. He does have some subs to his credit. But he's more of a striker. And I hate to bring this up, but Edgar, you know me and my boxing background, right? And I remember boxers in the 80s, a guy, there was a guy named Frank Bruno. Frank Bruno's from England, and he was a big undefeated heavyweight, and he fought Mike Tyson, and then it didn't go very well. And a lot of times, I don't want to stereotype, but I'm going to, sometimes these fighters from Great Britain don't have the best chins, okay? Oh, we know that very well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well cataloged. Right, so my concern is that Leon Edwards thinks, because he's going to win the first couple rounds, but this is a five-round fight, and that's where the problems lie. And I know Jorge Masvidal beat Nate Diaz, and the doctor stopped it, if we all recall. It was not Mm -hmm. a stoppage from a knockout. And and I know Nate Diaz was hurt badly by Masvidal with his hands. But I also got the feeling that if that fight wasn't stopped, he was turning the tide in that fight, which was also a five-round fight. Yeah, Nate Diaz has so, no quit in him. He has no, no quit. No quit. Uh, Dave, I don't Absolutely think, I don't think no he was quit. changing that fight, man. He was getting worked. He was getting worked. I'm with Even you. I'm not, I'm not debating that he was yeah. getting worked. But what I'm saying is I've never seen a guy like Nate Diaz who can take the punishment that he can, somehow absorb it, and then look you dead in the eye, throw his hands out there, maybe give you a stock and slap, and literally say, what? I mean, he did it to Conor McGregor. Conor was beating him up. I was there that night in Las Vegas at UFC 196. Conor destroyed him in that first round. And you know Nate's going to bleed. You know he's going to be cut. All those things happen. And there comes a point in every Nate Diaz fight where for whatever reason he's going to be behind the cards and he looks like he's about to go out. And then something switches. And I'm telling you guys, I looked at the odds of this fight when I was out in Vegas last week and I went, whoa, whoa. There is a lack of respect being shown for who Nate Diaz is so and for the tough toughness that he brings. I'm telling you guys, this is going to go five. And in that fifth round, I don't know if he can win it on points, but mark my words, Nate Diaz is going to be behind and he will rally. And this thing is going to be a thriller. And I am not going to bet against Nate Diaz. I think he's going to get a late round stoppage. That's dope. So I, I have a quick question for you. So, the reason I think that this fight is interesting is there has to be a reason that it's on the same card as Bilal Muhammad, right? And there has to be a reason Ooh. that it's a five-round fight. So do you think it's more so that they can set up a main event for them fighting again? Or is this more of a showcase for Leon Edwards to try to get that championship fight? 
I think it's because this is, you know, Leon, because of the eye poke uh, against Bilal in the last time out, Leon feels like the forgotten fighter in this division that, you know, the, he's on a great win streak right now. His credentials are there, but he's never gotten a title shot. And the bottom line is he doesn't have the shine, right? I mean, let's just be what it is. And Dana White does this. We've seen it all the time where he's going to move fighters along that create fun, that create money and create interest in fights. And Leon Edwards, for whatever reason right now, has not generated that. If he beats Nate Diaz and he does it in convincing fashion, whether it's early or it's a, a great fight that goes five, right, and it's bloodied and they're standing at the end and Leon gets the decision, that's going to give him the pop that he needs. And I think that could actually propel Leon Edwards potentially to a title fight or at least be the number one contender. I don't know that Nate cares about whether or not he's going to get a title shot if he beats Leon Edwards. I think he's just looking at money fights. And he looks at this and says, if I beat your guy, Leon Edwards, who everybody says nobody wants to fight him in this division, everybody's avoiding him, and I take care of him, then throw me Conor McGregor in that trilogy fight. Let me go ahead and go make $10 million, right, which is big money for UFC. We know it's not boxing money, but, you know, let me get that mega fight again uh, if I go ahead and beat your boy, Leon Edwards, who everybody's saying is the toughest guy that, that doesn't have a, a, a strap or hasn't had a shot at the strap yet at 170. Nate's the smaller guy. Leon's a bigger guy. Leon's going to want to control that distance with his jab, and he's going to want to try to keep it standing. But the problem with that is, again, he's going to get lulled into a false sense of security, even if he looks good in the first two rounds, which I expect him to do. Very rarely does Nate Diaz come out and control the early part of the fight. It normally doesn't happen. He likes to get hit. He likes to feel the other guy's power. He's going to feel it and probably not like it. And then there's going to come a time in that second, third, or fourth round where he feels like I've taken your best shot and I'm still here. Guess what? Here I come. It's the script of an ATS fight that I've seen over and over again. And I'm not saying he's going to win because I think he's going to get a knockout late to get it done. So I think he'll be that far behind on points, but I actually believe he can get a fifth round stoppage. That's how dramatic I think this fight can be. Yeah, that fight should definitely have some fireworks in it. And uh, speaking of fireworks, Miguel Brandon Moreno is taking on the flyweight champ, Davison Figueredo. And the first time they met, they gave us a five-round war back in December. I mean, I, I don't want to come in with my hopes too high, but, Dave, I'm expecting a good fight out of this. Do you see it the same way? Well, we've never had a Mexican-born UFC champion, right? And Brandon Moreno can get that done on Saturday night. I'm literally flexing right now as we speak because I, right. I consider myself <laughs> that this, this would be my weight class. Like if I, if I <laughs> oh, out, turn back the, the hands of time – and cut about 20 LBs. This is where I would be. And I wouldn't want either part of these guys because Davison Figueroa is a monster puncher, right? We saw that in the first fight. And then Brandon Moreno, and, you know, we talk about the legendary Mexican fighters in boxing, that toughness that, that is just instilled in them to never quit. That's what he did in that first fight. And he did stem the tide. And it was one of the scrambles that they had in that first fight were some of the most dramatic scrambles I've ever seen. And you couldn't even keep track because it felt like one guy's got the advantage. And here comes Moreno. And then, you know, Davison hits him with a big right hand. Davison wants to get him out of there early with his power. He still has much more power in his hands than Moreno does. But my goodness, it's kind of like the Damian Maya factor with scrambles. If you get into a scramble with Moreno, look out. Because Davison feels like the naturally stronger guy. But he's not as adept as Moreno is when the fight goes down to the mat. It's not that Figueredo is deficient there. He's just not as proficient, I believe, as Moreno is. So 
I know Moreno's tough, and I know he wants to stand and trade. And Ricardo did bring out one point that I think we have to watch out for early. The beating he took in that first round sometimes can change you the second time around, and maybe you can't sustain as much as you did the first time. I don't want Moreno to test that, to, to see how much chin he has left, to see how much bravado he has left. He doesn't need to do that. He's going to do it because these guys are going to stand and trade. You know what's going to happen. But if he's smart and if he can fight a more disciplined fight, then he got Figueredo's respect in that first fight, no matter what. I, I saw the shove today at the weigh-in, and you know, Figueredo's trying to play those head games. It didn't seem to affect Moreno at all. So here's a guy that was on the Ultimate Fighter. I think he was the last pick on the Ultimate Fighter. And all he did was show out. And that's all Brandon Moreno's done. And people overlook him all the time. I, I think this is his moment. I think it really is going to be his moment. I think it's going to go five, if not get stopped late. And I look at all three of these fights, you know, the two title fights and the one non-title, with, I think I expect them to go deep into the night, both of them. Uh, we just talked about Nate. I think that's going to be a fourth or a fifth round fight. And I see the same thing here. I just don't see, yes, Figueredo might be able to get a, a you know, flash knockdown, but I don't know if he can get him out of there early. And if he doesn't, I think the same script is going to happen here with Moreno that I think happens with Nate. He might be behind on the cards early, but he's going to be there late. And that's why this is going to be such an intriguing rematch. And again, when I was out there in Vegas last week and I looked at those odds, I just, they're too big for me. If I'm a Figueredo backer, I'm going, man, I got to lay 240 against Brandon Moreno? No way. I'm, this is dog day after me, afternoon for me. I'm looking at these dogs and I think they got a real shot to pull some upsets. So, I kind of like Nate Diaz slightly against Leon Edwards, and I really kind of like the challenger here and to be the first Mexican-born UFC champion uh, at 125 pounds. I, I cannot wait to see this rematch. So if the assassin baby wins and Moreno becomes the first Mexican-born champion in the UFC, are we all taking shots of Montezuma tequila? That's the real question. I think it'd be rude not to. I mean, if we want to pay our respects properly, I think we should do that. <laughs> and we should up. we should record it and then send it to Brandon That's right. in tribute. <laughs> um no but the the this is the co main event and it's a rematch and the main event with Izzy and Vittori is actually also gonna be a, a rematch. Um it's actually the one of the toughest fights that Adesanya has had to date in the UFC and they're coming back to actually run it back for the middleweight championship. What do you think about this fight when it comes to Adesanya's legacy since he actually just came off of that loss at light heavyweight. Wow. Um, it's, it's so interesting uh, breaking down this fight with uh, Ricardo and Phil the other day as we did for Stadium. And I, I just kept thinking to myself, if I'm Israel Adesanya and I just lost to Jan Blachowicz in the manner in which I did, and I'm going to go back to my division where I'm still undefeated so I can kind of almost mentally erase that, and then fight a guy that is a smaller version of Jan Blachowicz. And I, I don't know that that's the right guy to fight right away. And, and you mentioned it, that one of the toughest fights, maybe the toughest fight he's had at middleweight at his reigning division was against Martin Vittori. So, you know, Bohovich used a lot of, of body kicks. And, and, you know, Izzy needs distance. Izzy is the flashy guy. adesanya has got the hand speed on Vittori, you know, all day long. If he can keep the distance, he should be able to win this one relatively easy. The first time around, it seemed like he didn't respect Vittori. And then all of a sudden, he got taken down a couple times, and you saw, uh-oh, boy, he, his takedown defense is not that great. Not as good as 
what you would expect for a legacy fighter that I think we look at Adesanya to be. A guy that we're going to talk about long after his fighting career, right? They were saying he was going to be the next John Jones and, and all these things. And then Blahovich dominated him. Now, you can make the argument that Blahovich at 205 was just too big, right? It was just too big of a guy for Adesanya to handle. So now back home at 185, you know, he's taller, physically taller than Vittori, right? But Vittori is going to dig for those takedowns. He's going to make this a dirty fight. He's going to make it a grinding fight. And I think this fight is going to go deep into the night as well. So I don't see a scenario where, where Adesanya stays on his bike, stays disciplined. He's a crazy fighter. I, it's part of his appeal. You don't know what's coming. Is he going to do a spinning wheel kick? Is going to, you know, be a, he's never really just a stationary throw the jab and then come over the top and then come with a, a high leg kick. It's normally something that you just don't see coming. But what happens when you fight disciplined fighters, and that's what Bohovich is, and that's what Vittori is, those guys wait for those crazy kicks. Because what happens when you lead with a kick? You leave yourself vulnerable for a double, double leg takedown. And that's the problem now. That's got to be in Izzy's head. He doesn't want to get taken down. So does that make him more of a traditional fighter? Does that take away some of those kicks? You throw a kick, it gets caught, and all of a sudden you're going down on the mat. And what we've seen, even a guy like I look at Kevin Holland, who's clearly not on Israel Adesanya's level, but that's been his problem recently in his losses, is defending the takedown. It's not even that they're not great at defending the takedown, but what they like to do offensively leaves them vulnerable to takedowns. So it almost limits their, their offensive arsenal because in their own minds, they're going, man, if I throw that spinning back kick, all of a sudden, if I don't get home with it and I can't pull it back in time and reset, I'm going to be on my back. And that could be three minutes. And now Vittori can grind me out. And there goes my gas tank. If you even remember Connor against Abib when they fought, right? It wasn't so much that Connor, because Connor did a pretty good job initially uh, of trying to defend Habib. The problem is he was being beaten by Habib's hands. And we know Connor's better hands than Habib because he was worried about the double leg takedown. So it changes your offensive arsenal when you're playing defense mentally. And I wonder if that's going to be a problem for Izzy going forward. The old Izzy, I think, thinks I can walk through anything. You know, I'm not worried about his double leg. I'll stuff it and then I'll be, you know, I'll have top position as he's on the ground on his knees. And I'll just start, you know, pounding, it, pounding his head with elbows and punches. But because of the bad experience against Blahovich, because of the mixed experience against Vittori the first time, I wonder if we're going to see a different Adesanya, which could be a problem. And again, same thing. I looked at those odds. They're too big for me. We've never had an Italian-born UFC champion. I think you got a chance to see the return of Nate Diaz in a five-round classic. I think you have a good chance to see the first Mexican-born UFC champion. And I think you have a really good chance of seeing your first-born Italian champion all on the same night. I really do. It's dogs all, all the way around for me. I'm taking Vittori in, in a decision win because unlike wow. the other two fights where That's I think they surprising. might need to get knockouts to get the win because I think they'll be behind on points, I think Vittori's going to score enough takedowns and have enough control that he'll be ahead on the cards. And Adesanya, man, I hope you worked on that takedown defense because you, you're going to be taken down. And this isn't Paulo Costa. And when he fought Costa, that was a guy that stood right in front of him. And that was tailor-made for Adesanya. This is a guy that's not going to stand right in front of him and exchange punches. Costa thought he was a bigger puncher. He lost that battle. 
That was a bad matchup for Costa, thinking that he could outstrike Izzy. Vittori doesn't have any of those. Vittori doesn't <laughs> think like that. Vittori is thinking takedowns, stop, and go ahead and grind him out on the ground and bleed the clock and win a decision. Just got to watch out for the wine before the fights, you know, according to Costa. But, you know, they, they, correct. Because, you know, he, he, I, loved, I loved all the lead up to it, but he fell into Izzy's trap. Right, the, the 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 talking game, and let's go ahead and see bravado and stand in front of me. You stand in front of Israel Adesanya Big at 185 pounds. You have no chance. <laughs> UFC 263 Saturday night on ESPN Plus. We'll definitely be tuned in. And Dave just gave you everything you need to know. He likes a lot of the dogs here, but uh, follow him on Twitter at DRawSports. Dave, enjoy the fights, and uh, thank you for joining us. Man, just remember, boys, all these dogs will be barking on Saturday night, and I expect an invite, and I expect beer and pizza next time. Oh, I hope you're right, Dave. There'll be plenty of beer and pizza if you're right. We, we might have to get some 1942 instead of some Montezuma. Time to celebrate. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Classic Classic. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. So there you have it. That's Dave Ross. Thanks, Dave, once again for coming on and preview UFC 263 this Saturday. He definitely got us excited for that card, and we look forward to it. So hopefully my board won't crap out next week, and we'll be able to bring you a full show of Yap Chicago with the gang back all together. So for the podcast that happened but never happened, that's Lee's. That was Cap. I'm Edgar Perez. We'll see you guys next week, hopefully. Fingers crossed.